Hey all thanks for tuning in to this episode of King Edward Podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful day. So this is a new season. This is going to be the first episode here of season two. And in the season, we're mainly going to be talking about spring turkey here and shed hunting. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, if you guys have any questions or uh have anyone that you think should be on this podcast go ahead and dm me on instagram kingoutdoor.s and i hope you enjoy we have our guest speaker here today austin caldwell go check him on instagram cali underscore underscore bowhunter so stay tuned i hope you enjoy All right, guys. So, like I said, we have Austin here. Uh, go check him out on Instagram. Uh, so, Austin, if you want to go ahead and just introduce yourself here. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm Austin Caldwell, uh, Cali bow hunter, and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, father outdoorsman. <laughs> uh, been been hunting since I was, I guess, been hunting big game since I was twelve kind of a bird dog and stuff for my pops when I was younger. Um, and mostly just do archery hunting now. Uh, uh, it's been probably 16 to 18 years since I harvested a, a big game animal with a rifle. It's, uh, it's always been bow since then. And uh, around here, it's mostly pigs and some deer and some turkey and kind of branching out now, trying to get out to South Dakota, doing Colorado here in September. And, oh, okay. uh, yeah. So uh, you said you live in Colorado then? No, I wish I did. I live in Col- uh, California. Oh, California. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you do a lot of pig hunting then, huh? I Yeah, they're, that's kind of the bread and butter around here. Um when <laughs> it's super easy well there's a lot of pigs here and if you have access to private land it's pretty easy to get on get on them they're hunting real hard on uh public land uh oh, okay but i mean there's literally pigs everywhere and when i was first starting pig hunting it was seven bucks for five tags and it came in a booklet and now oh, wow. it's uh yeah, it was amazing. And now it's uh twenty five bucks for one tag. Oh, okay. So they're uh they're trying to get their money's worth, but uh, yeah, I mean and that tag's good for literally any pig. You could shoot a piglet if you want, you can shoot a big old nasty boar, you can shoot whatever you want with that. Wow. You would think uh, when you said they're selling a bunch like that for like seven bucks, you said you'd think they would be a uh, population would be pretty low then, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's it. They, I don't know how many times uh, they give birth a year. I want to say it's like twice, and they give birth to more than one. I mean, sometimes you'll see four, sometimes you'll see more than that. So, and they grow relatively quickly, especially if they have good food. And I believe within a year they can procreate. So they're just 
pumping <laughs> out babies <laughs> left and right. And, and they're super resilient with where they can live. Um, they'll be up in the mountains and down in the farmlands. Well, a lot of the times they'll come down in the farmlands, eat all the the hay and alfalfa and, and clovers and everything, and then bump back up in the mountains where they're somewhat protected. But, yeah, I mean, they're they're everywhere from northern California all the way down to central uh, California. I mean, there are some down uh, Southern California, but everything down there is pretty hard to hunt. It's hunted real hard. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So the farmers, they let you uh, hunt pigs a lot? Can you get permission very easily? Or? Um, I've got, I was fortunate enough to uh, get permission from a place it's not a, it's some land that's set aside and it's pretty uh, close to residential, uh, residential area. But I mean, as with anywhere, you can get permission if you ask. Um, don't just go blatantly in there and say, hey, I want to kill some pigs. Can I hunt your property? Go in and offer your time and uh, just realize that they probably have a boatload of people hitting them up. So go in there and try to stand out from the crowd. Say, hey, I'll help you with this around around the place, fix fences, trim trees, or whatever it is that you're uh, good at doing. And uh, for the most part, you kind of build a relationship with that. And uh, then you're able to get on, get your foot in the door at least. Um, if it's not hunting pigs, it can be hunting turkeys. Uh, both both of those animals are something that people aren't genuinely uh, too concerned about hunting. When it comes to deer, everybody loves deer. It reminds them of Bambi, so they uh, they they don't want anybody shooting those. But um, yeah, for the most part, if you're gonna find any farmland, I'm I'm in the Bay Area, so you're not going to be able to find a lot of farmland around here unless you drive a little ways, but most of the really good pig hunting is in central California down like Paso Robles and King city area. And there's a boatload of guide services out there with that on public land or uh, private land. Sorry. And uh, you can pull some big pigs out of there. Um, but yeah, you, if you want to do a guide service that, your odds are a hell of a lot better than would be if you do public land. Just like I said, I mean, there's always, always people out there running around trying to get a pig. Yeah. I mean, that's something I want to do. I mean, I live in Wisconsin and there's, I mean, there's, there's pigs here on like ranches, but not really, you don't really see them out there in the wild, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, here, I mean, like, there's a place that isn't too far from me that gets hunted insanely hard. Um, uh, San Luis Rez. It's a, it's actually a state park that was set aside for Tule Oak and across the highway from it is some land that you're able to hunt for pig and deer and whatnot. But I mean, it, it's always stacked full of people and you can pull pigs out of there if you know what you're doing. Um, but it's, it's tough, man. And, uh, 
got to get up there early. You got to get there before everybody else. You got to get way back in there. And uh, if you spend enough time back there, you'll be able to get one for sure. Hmm. Uh, it It's tough though. I mean, I, I just went up north of me in another area um, called Cash Creek. I went with a couple buddies and there was fresh sign of pigs everywhere. It was nuts, but didn't see a single one roaming around. And it's, I mean, you just got to invest time. Once you do, you'll be able to cross paths with one. But for the most part, the vast majority of people just see sign and, uh, don't ever actually get a shot at one. Hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, going off that, uh, let's go ahead and talk about some turkey hunting here. Do you, uh, how do you remember how old you were when you shot your uh, your first turkey? My first turkey I shot actually on my twelfth birthday. Um, it was a turkey hunt that I got for a birthday present and. Uh, yeah, that was one for the books. I, I still remember waking up like hours before sunrise and going out colder than hell. And uh, sitting, we just sat in a tree. We didn't do any uh, ground blind, just sat in a tree and called and uh, was able to call two of them actually across this creek um, from the other hillside came in. I smoked one and my pops actually smoked the one that was next to it. It was kind of a cool little tag team. Uh, it was a, it was a good present. I really enjoy that. And since then, probably one of my most favorite animals to hunt. And now it's, now I only do it with a bow and it brings even more excitement hunting those things with a bow. It's, it's, uh, it's super invigorating just waking up and calling them and just hearing that gobble and the echo mm-hmm. from that and getting them, getting them in close enough with a bow is something that I, I look forward to every spring and it's kind of nice because it opens up typically right around my birthday, which is coming up here soon. So it's always a, a welcomed gift, I suppose, to uh, hunt those in the spring. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh Oh, happy early birthday, but that's pretty, pretty I interesting. appreciate that. Uh, I've never yeah. even shot a turkey yet, and I, I mean, I'm 16, so you're doing better than me. <laughs> but <laughs> I plan on at least it getting a, time. I plan on at least getting a couple turkeys with a, a shotgun before I move on to a bow. But uh, I do, I do uh, respect you doing a lot of bow hunting. Like, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate mean, that, man. Me myself, I, I love to shoot bow all the time, like in my backyard, even when it's out of season, you know, I'm shooting my bow year round. But uh yeah, that's it's a lot of talent to uh kill some turkeys with the bow. They have pretty good eyesight. They do have some very, very good eyesight and it's I mean, the the cool thing is about them is it's it's awesome practice for deer season because it's such a small target. Mm-hmm. And you got to be, you got to be still, you got to have patience, which I don't have much of to begin with. And, uh, it's just fun calling them in, man. And I've been, let's see, I've been doing archery for 21 years now. So I've been doing it for quite a while and 
it's just something that I really enjoy doing with a, a bow is hunting turkeys, getting out. And now, now I have a son that's old enough to go out and uh, go with me. So this year will be his first year going out. I'm going to get him. He shoots a bow as well, but I'm going to get him out there with the 12 gate and see if we can't get one, uh, get his first animal with that. Yeah, well, well, good luck to you. I appreciate that. So uh, where do you find yourself hunting more for turkeys? Do you find yourself hunting them more in fields, or do you find yourself more in woods when you're hunting them? It's it's definitely more uh, woodsy area, uh, Mm -hmm. like slight rolling hills with a bunch of oaks. Uh, And there's a few creeks in the area. One of the areas that I was able – or that I'm – have access to hunt. It's one of my uh, friends from high school was actually his dad was the coach of my baseball team. And the way I actually got access to that property was they were having uh, pig issues. The pigs were coming in and tearing up their, their garden. And so they wanted me to come up there and shoot as many pigs as humanly possible. And uh, so once they started doing that, they just kind of, gave me free reign. It was like, as long as you're respected or respectable to the land and stuff, you can hunt whatever you want up there. So huh. I hunt that place a lot for Turkey. Um, pulled, we pulled two turkeys off there last, last year, I shot one. And then I got my buddy who just got into archery. He got his first archery kill was a Turkey. Um, and then my parents have, some acreage not too far from where we live 30 acres and it's pretty uh steep hills again a lot of oaks um it's in the santa cruz mountains and a little town called morgan hill so the mountains come down from santa cruz in the coastal mountains and they drop down in the valley and uh they got a decent amount of land there that's got turkeys and deer and both those places are the place I hunt turkey, man. They're, it's super awesome. Um, the one thing I've noticed actually is during the spring, they're a whole lot easier to hunt because <laughs> they're out there just chiming off, trying to get that, uh, get a little lucky, you know? So uh, yeah, they get kind of, they get a little stupid when uh, comes springtime. So you can call them in real good and easy. Yeah. Fall, fall time's a little bit harder. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, turkey hunting to me is kind of like the most entertaining because you get to, you know, you get to hear them gobble and hear them coming in from long ways, you know. You can hear them. Yeah, it's super interactive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, another thing is, uh, let's see, you said you do hunt with a bow, but uh, do you use like certain kind of broadhead or? Yeah, so uh... – last i want to say it was last season i started shooting annihilators and okay. um started shooting those they're smaller fixed blade broadhead but they they work great the way they're designed is just when they hit the animal it causes a pressure change inside the body cavity which just causes just complete chaos inside there so if you even get a marginal shot it just wreaks havoc inside there um the turkey I shot last year with it just thumped them. When I I shoot for the body, 
it's just obviously a larger target with a bow, so it's a little bit less chance of messing anything up. But hit right where the wing kind of folds over in the chest area and complete pass through, did a backflip and just kind of flopped on the ground right there. And they're they're great heads. Um taking quite a few animals with them now actually. So a lot of people like shooting larger mechanicals, obviously, uh, just because it is a smaller body and turkeys are tough as hell. They're so tough. They yeah. uh, they don't they don't like to die. No. So a lot of a lot of people do those larger cutting mechanicals like uh I know my buddy uses the rage uh tripans or whatever it's like two inch cutting diameter so it gives you a little bit more uh room for air but it also leaves a a a massive wound channel and that's just slicing and dicing as it goes through but yeah i mean i've always liked uh fixed blade broadheads i've never really liked mechanicals i mean i've thought about them but uh i've always been kind of a fixed blade type of guy yeah, I when I first started shooting, they didn't even have mechanicals that I can remember, and uh, so I started shooting the old Thunderhead way back when, and those were good for the time, obviously. And then as uh, the years go on, technology gets better and better, and I shot mechanicals for a while, mostly because I was having issues tuning my bow. Um, it just did not want to shoot fixed blades. And now that I got this new bow, it is insanely easy to tune. And I've had great experiences with the annihilators and just fixed blade broadheads and just the ease of them. Don't have to replace any blades. Super easy to resharpen. And uh, I can group them out to 100 yards with no issues. If you're shooting good, you don't have any form issues or you're not punching the trigger. You're just executing the shot the way you should be. They're going to group and fly just like your field points or close to it, close enough to be just absolutely deadly. So hmm. you hit an animal with one of those heads, it's it's going to stop. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, interesting. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, man, they're great. And the guys that run them are super good. Mike and um, – Jesus, I'm having a brain fart right now. <laughs> Mike is a Cali guy as well. He's from California. And then um, Brandon. Okay. I want to say it's Brandon. I'm, I have, having a brain fart right now. But, yeah, those two guys are super nice. Um, great customer service. If you have any issues with them, you can always contact them and they'll be able to talk you through anything or they'll replace anything that you have any issues with, but they're, they're super solid heads, one piece. Um, they just came out with the XLs, So it's a little bit larger cutting diameter. Now they're inch and 16 cut, I believe. And you can get them in a 125 grain and 150 grain if you want, but I've always been partial to 100 grain heads. I've always had good luck with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what kind of what kind of bow are you shooting? Uh, I'm shooting a Matthews VXR 31 and a half. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I finally upgraded. I was shooting a Matthews Adrenaline before that. It took me 13 years to actually upgrade that thing. And uh, going from that to this is night and day. Just the, like I said, the technology is astonishing what they do. And the one thing that I've actually noticed is I I went to the, the shop to shoot a few different bows. And the two that were on my radar were the, the prime black and the Matthews VXR and prime back in the day didn't make really good bows. I mean, it was just kind of a, a consumer bow that you'd end up getting at Bass Pro or whatever, just kind of get into entry level stuff. And, and now they've really stepped up their game and a lot of the companies out there, I mean, across the board, they're all making really good products. It's just what fits the end user the best and what you feel comfortable shooting and i've i've shot matthews for a long time now i mean uh, my first matthews was uh matthews legacy i think that was early 2000s when it came out so and that's back when they had the solo camps and everything like that and Shot yeah. weight for a little bit back then and shot P my first bow was actually a PSE. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the way the Matthews feel for me. I'm, I'm kind of a weird one. I like a heavier bow. And, uh, so my, I mean, my bow is pretty heavy compared to most of the people that are going to be out hunting. I think my bow is right around nine pounds. Oh, okay. So everything on it. I just, I, I just shoot a little bit better with a heavier bow. I've shot my buddy's uh, Hoyt. Uh, he has a he has an RX1. I've shot an RX4. And those carbon bows, they're just so light, and they seem to not want to settle too much when I'm at full draw. Yeah, I don't know so, Yeah, I'm more of a yeah. heavier bow guy myself. I was looking at the new uh, Matthews – or no, not Matthews, Prime Nexus. Yeah, I I drew one of those back the other day, and the draw cycles, absolutely fantastic. And if it's anything like the Black Series, it's going to be a, a thumper of a bow. I shot that Black One. I almost went home with the Black One over the VXR, but the only thing that got me was the hand shock. There's a little bit too much hand shock for me, and that yeah. VXR is almost uh, non-existent. When yeah, I mean I've heard. Prime has quite quite a bit of hand shock to it, but yeah, it, it's it's not a lot to be concerning, but it's enough to where you notice it when you shoot it against other bows. But yeah, I shot I was shooting an eighty pound limb black one next to a seventy five pound VXR. So I mean, uh, five pounds shouldn't be that much of a difference, but. The, the draw cycle on it is just as smooth, if not as a little more smooth than the VXR. The balance on it is great because they got the, the grip is in the center of the bow as opposed to just below the center of the bow. So it's not top heavy like the Matthews are. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's a solid bow. And if I, excuse me, if I come across some extra money, I'm definitely going to end up getting either the – I'm thinking probably a black three 
a little bit longer uh, axle to axle because I'm a 30 inch draw length. So I like to have a little bit less gradual of a uh, string angle, but the, or the Nexus, they come in at the two and a 32 and a 34, probably go with the 32. But a lot of the stuff that I hunt, areas that I hunt, um, I have to go through some thick stuff. So having a larger bow is kind of a pain. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, what do you shoot right now? Uh, right now, I'm just shooting, uh, it's like a, a mission by Matthews, a mission craze. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I've, I've, right. I've had him since I was, was basically my first bow, so to speak. I'm 16. I had yeah, it since bow. I was like 12, maybe. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, my I got my son uh, a craze. The adjustability on them is absolutely awesome, and they're a good bow. Oh they're yeah, a great bow for adjustability. Whatever is you crazy. need. To do. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I I mean I have maxed out on it, but it's not like I can't even go that much further than the max on it, anyways. But yeah, I, I do plan on getting a new bow sometime this year, but uh. For now, I mean, it's it's keeping me alive, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, I would. Uh, if you're looking at even getting like a used bow, but like one of the newer models, there's people that are always selling them on Facebook at like uh, Bow Hunters of America or Broadhead Nation. There's a few other couple pages on there that people are always dumping bows on there because everybody needs to get the latest and greatest after. They've only shot the bow for less than a year. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there's, there's people still sell. There's, I've seen quite a few uh, Matthew V3s on there, uh, VXRs, some uh, Prime Blacks, some Hoyt RX4s. I mean, everybody's dumping all last year's gear to get the new stuff. And that's kind of a good way to swoop up on some already made, like, done-up bows so you don't have to spend a boatload of money yeah 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 i'll have to check that out so uh anyways going back to turkeys <laughs> do you use decoys <laughs> at all um for the most part i don't actually for the most part it's just spot and stock it's kind of i kind of do it like i do deer hunting um i'll go into a spot uh and just do a couple calls in the morning, right before sunrise, see if anything chimes off, and uh, kind of just set up in an area that I know that they're going to be having to walk through some part of like a clearing or something to get to where they last heard that call. Um, I do have a decoy, and I have, I think I've used it once. I think I've used it once. Um, I don't do ground blinds really. I think I've only shot one turkey from a ground blind. But I typically just find a bush or a tree and kind of sit behind it. And if a turkey gets within 40 yards, I'm sitting an arrow. So it's yeah. kind of just the way I do it. It's a, it makes it a little bit more tough, a little bit more sporting, I guess. I don't really know if that would be the word for it, but it makes it a little bit more invigorating to be out there like that instead of kind of hiding in a ground blind or anything like that. Cause you draw that bow back and if they're not, 
if they're on you, they'll be able to see that and kind of gives me a little bit of a rush. So I like doing it that way. So wait, you said you don't hunt out of a blind? Uh, I have a blind and I've used it maybe twice, once for deer, one for turkey. I, I don't really ever even use a blind. Yeah. I just really? use a bush, a bush or a tree kind of old school with it. Must really have to be a basically watching their head when you pull back that bow, huh? <laughs> yeah, but the nice thing is, like around here, though, around this time of the se- well, turkey season here is pretty long if you do just archery. It starts like this year; it goes from March 27th, and it goes all the way to I think the first Sunday in May. So oh, you got wow. a good amount of time to hunt them, yeah. And uh, right when season opens, up until, I guess even still in May, but the the grass is pretty tall. So you can kind of use that to your advantage. If they're walking, their heads are going to be pretty low in that grass, and it's going to be hard for them to see any sort of, like, slow movement. Uh, But for the most part, like I was mentioning earlier, they're pretty stupid when it comes to spring hunting. They're just out trying to get some action. So they're just constantly – Constantly looking for the ladies, and uh, you kind of use that to your advantage. But like you're saying, if if I did use a decoy, it would it probably help me to be honest with you. But I don't like carrying more things than I need to. I'm kind of lazy when it comes to that, mm-hmm. and I, I'm more of that whole running gun kind of thing. Get out there, call if I have to make any movement or any sort of moves to get to an area that would be more beneficial. I don't have to pack up the blind and move it or bring a, a decoy with me. Um, it's fairly easy to get a turkey and about 40 yards or even closer. If you, if you call and they're interested and they start coming in, once they start coming in you and they're somewhat in bow range and you stop calling their curiosity is just going to kill them. They're going to keep walking and walking and walking until they're right on top of you. Um, unless obviously they suspect something's a little bit out of, out of whack there. They, they can't really smell you. So they're not going to wind you or anything like that. But if you're out there picking your nose and sneezing and stuff, they'll, they'll see you and kind of spook from that. But if you're, you call them in close enough and then you just shut up, they, they'll come into you. The last turkey I did, I called, I, we saw them about 75 yards away. They just crested over this hill. We heard them earlier in the morning and uh, we were just kind of farting around calling. I wasn't quite sure if they were going to come because um, they were actually with a bunch of hens. There's two toms. And uh, they crested over the hill, was calling, and they looked like they were going to come, and they kind of dropped out of sight. And before you know it, they're at 50 yards walking down this game trail right at us. And I just clucked a few more times and then stopped. And uh, they came into 12 yards, and, I mean, just a chip shot. Could go wrong, I guess. I mean, I've missed plenty of shots that close, but get them in that close it's uh the game time so yeah they, they like to they'll they'll come running 
And once they start getting closer, you stop calling and it kind of curiosity gets the best of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what we usually do. We call them and then, you know, we just wait and then let them come in. But uh, we also, I mean, we do use decoys, but I don't think we necessarily need them. And we're kind of like you. We just we sit on the base of a tree, et cetera, stuff like that. But it's a lot easier when you're just sitting there with the shotgun and not having to pull back anything. Yeah, I mean, you still got to bring that shotgun up to your shoulder. There's a little bit of movement there as well, but there's a lot less movement for sure. Yeah. The the decoys would help, I think, where if they saw the decoy and then you just stopped making any noise, I think it would just absolutely kill them, just freak them out that they'd come running in, try to figure out what the hell's going on. But yeah, like I said, I just, I don't like carrying decoys around and if i do it's only one i don't don't really carry a lot of stuff i just have my pack my bow and uh just a bunch of different diaphragm calls whatever i can get for cheap right right so uh anyways i heard you talking earlier about uh basically how you listen in the morning and see where they're at and i mean my, me myself i do that all the time we go out uh in the morning we we listen see where they're at and you know get set up and where basically where like you were saying before where basically they would have to come and uh anyways i was gonna ask you do you roost them like the day before ever or uh, i have in a few places that i've hunted. i've done some hunts up on a family friend's property up uh further north of me and you can they kind of go, this is more of a, a farm hunting where it's a, a large field and then there's uh, a bunch of different trees that are right up against the river and they roost up in the in those trees. And you could actually glass from across the field and see them roost in the trees and you kind of set up that way. But this area, um, there's a few different areas that they do roost. Um and I kind of just know the general areas. I've been hunting there for 16 years now. So I, I kind of just know the general area that they're going to be. And I'll make some calls. I don't really ever go out there and roost them and then come back in the morning. Um, not only do I not really have that much time to do <laughs> as much as I wish I did, but um, I, I normally just come in, give them a few calls, and go from there if there's some that are way off i don't even mess with them uh and the nice thing about that area the one place i hunt uh that i got access to uh, if there's no turkeys chiming off i just end up making it into a pig hunt or a coyote hunt if i see any of those so kind of just change gears real quick and that's another reason why i don't really bring my decoy but right, right. yeah, in the morning, I, d I don't even do uh shock, shock calls. I don't do the crow call or anything like that. I just give a few clucks and, uh, yeah, that's what we usually do. You know, I don't do an owl hoot or anything like that. I mean, in the hunting public, they use it all the time and I mean, it works good, but I've always just sent a couple clucks out there. Actually, we even gobble and they did cause yeah, you know, to show God dominance, they want to gobble back, you know? So it's crazy is like what Meat Eater was talking about, how the, you can they have a shirt about it, I think, that 
they will gobble at anything. You slam a car door, whatever. I mean, they'll just chime off just that loud noise. Yeah, I um, mean, gets them going. See, my neighbor here, or my my—he's my uncle too. He uh, he has these pet turkeys, and literally can go up to them and like, <laughs> you know, just make a little peep, and they'll just go off. And it's like, oh, geez. Yeah. there's something that triggers them, and they just love it. Oh yeah, no, I'm not complaining. It makes it super easy, but oh yeah, yeah, it's I I I do it super simple, man. Nothing super fancy, no shock calls or anything like that. Just go in with my diaphragm call, oh, and yeah. uh, like I was saying, just a few clucks here and there. I don't I don't even gobble. I don't even have one of those tubes or anything like that. It's just I stick with the the clucks, the purrs, and. Uh, it's been working for me. It's pretty uh, rudimentary, but I haven't had any issues with it. So, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, hearing a, a turkey gobble, you know, up in the tree before the sun comes up, it's kind of just like a – like basically like a hint of coffee in the morning. No, but, uh, it is euphoric. It is one of those things that you go in the woods and it haunts your dreams. Right. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I love it. It that I've I've always telling everybody, I love mornings far more than I do evening time. Like sunrise, just hearing everything wake up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. You hear them turkeys chime off, and you get the little sparrows or whatever little finches running around chirping, and then. Then you get the blue jays or the crows and whatever. I mean, everything starts waking up and just hearing that in the morning is awesome. And being out in the woods and just experiencing it is something that a lot of people should start doing more often, especially nowadays. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been a morning guy. I mean, kind of, I'm a teenager, so I mean, a lot of teenagers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I th- stay up all yeah, night. I think when I was a, yeah, when I was your age, I was out doing reckless things all night, and yeah, I mean, I have to get up relatively early, but this year's probably been the worst year. I mean, usually I've been getting up at like, like previous years, I get up at like six o'clock in the morning. Now it's like I get up at like yeah. eight o'clock and it's like, oh, geez. but sleeping in. Oh yeah. Well, see, because <laughs> of COVID, you know, like high school is all like, well, mine was virtual, but now they're starting to go back. But I just, I just stayed virtual, so then I have more time to go turkey hunting and stuff like that. But yeah, my kids, uh, they're just getting back into school right now, actually. So. Oh, okay. Was, the whole virtual thing was ridiculous. It was so so rough. Oh, I'm not very good at school to begin with. <laughs> I was never very good, and then having to teach them and work, it was a uh, it wasn't a very pleasant experience, and it just made it it was so so stressful on the kids, just because I would get irritated in the fact that. 
the common core math or whatever they're teaching nowadays <laughs> about as ass nine as it comes. It's so stupid. Yeah. Like, why can't one plus one be two? It's not one plus one equals whatever. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, that's what college is for. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like even like I went to a pretty good, school like my whole life my my parents put me through private school the my whole life and and uh after that i uh i went to community college and i just i just wanted to work more than i wanted to go to school i just i felt like hands-on learning was a, a whole lot easier for me than it was sitting in the classroom listening to some old person talk about their glory days so just start working and school school was never my strong suit I was good at sports and like the sciences like biology anatomy and all that stuff I actually wanted to get into kinesiology when I was younger but yeah it's just math English even though it's my first language I suck at it it's just just put me in the woods or get me something to work on and I'll be fine. But when it comes to schooling, the, that's what I got my lady for. My lady is smart as hell. She's got all sorts of education under her belt. She a psych degree and everything like that. I don't even know how she puts up with me. I'm like a caveman next to her. <laughs> caveman. Well, it's been, it's been nice talking to you, man. I'm, Pretty, pretty glad that you came on the podcast. I appreciate you having me, man. I really do. You can hit me up anytime I'm once down to talk. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll keep you on mind. So you, you deer hunt too, right? Yes, sir. Uh, do uh, mostly blacktail, all archery again. Um, it's all coastal uh, blacktail that we've been doing mostly. We do get up into the Sierras a little bit and that's more of a, like a mule deer blacktail hybrid mm -hmm. and uh, do that. Just last year was rough. My season last year was pretty bad. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I spent over 60 days in the woods trying to get something. And uh, I missed, missed five or six times on this one buck that I was going after. I actually ended up naming him Neo from the matrix. He was dodging my arrows and, uh, come to find out my bow is a little out of tune. Cause one of my limbs was cracked. And so I ended up finishing off the season. I ordered limbs. And I finished off the season with a cracked. One of the limbs was cracked by it wasn't till five days left in the season I got my first buck. And then on the morning of the last day, I got my second buck. You're only allowed two deer, uh, two male deer in the zones that I hunt. So, hmm. and uh, yeah, that one buck that I've been, I've been wanting to hunt was a decent two by three. It's in the, around where I hunt in the A zone a vast majority of bucks are just fork and horns just because there's so many hunters. They don't, they don't grow very old genetics a lot. I mean, you can find a, a real old buck that's just a fork and horn. 
Um, not a lot of them have eye guards. So if you find one that has eye guards, it's pretty special. Um, and they're just cool little animals. They're, they're smaller bodied animals than what you'd see out of a mule deer or even a white tail. Um, but they got the horns like a mule deer where mule they're bifurcated. Deer? So the, yeah. Yeah. So they'll, they'll split off like that. They're, they're cool little animals. They're fun as hell to hunt and they're resilient because archery season starts in a zone. It's one of the first seasons in the nation, if I'm not mistaken. It starts the second week in July, the second Saturday in July. Eesh. And yeah, and it's hot. I mean, for archery season, a zone, it's not uncommon for it to be over a hundred degrees. So you're out there sweating it out and uh, you'll see them. I mean, you can see them midday in the heat of the sun, cruising around, just eating. Uh, Probably spoiled pretty fast if you kill them. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. If you get one, you got to get on top of it real quick. It's not like those late season hunts where you can leave them overnight, especially, I mean, here in California, they just stopped ban or they banned bobcat hunting. You can't hunt mountain lions, uh, and you can hunt coyotes, but there's a lot of predators out here. So if you leave it overnight, nine times out of ten, that thing's going to be munched on by something. Really? If it's not already spoiled, it's yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, and then, like you said, the heat. If you shoot one, you get on it. You got to dump the guts as quick as possible and get the skin off. And uh, I. Even if you have a vehicle and you're going to get it to your vehicle, I, w- I would suggest quartering that thing out as quick as possible to try to dump as much heat as you can out of those things because it will turn quick. And I like venison too much to let it go to waste. So. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, yeah I'll, have to, I'll have to hit you up for, for that season, huh? Get to know more about yeah, man. Come on out. Yeah, they're fun, fun little critters to hunt, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of them around here, and there's there's a lot of good public land to hunt them too. Um, the key is just to get off the roads a little bit. There's a a lot of road hunters, so I mean, if you get off a mile or two, even off the road, you're gonna start seeing some animals and. Uh, if you get even further back, there's a good chance you'll be able to see a good record book, blacktail, oh, yeah. and any of the zones. Like my last, and the one thing about the the zone that I hunt actually is, uh, it kind of sucks though. Is the rut starts right at the end of season, so oh yeah, typically it's like the la- yeah right at the last week is when the the rut starts ramping up. So if you hold off and gamble that a little bit, you have a better chance. And this year was actually one year that I've been able to actually bank on that. Is Just like Turkey, they go stupid when it's into the rut. And I actually kind of started doing the, like what whitetail people do is start using the doe bleeds and whatnot. And mm-hmm. my first buck, the first buck that I got this year was 
Uh, he was using a doble, and he came in on a string, just beelined it to me. Ended up getting a forty-yard shot on him, and then, uh, yeah, and I, I think I saw him uh, when I first saw him. He was about four hundred yards off. So I mean, he was hoofing it over to get to me, and then the second one was was chasing chasing a doe. And uh, he came up over this ridge, and it was kind of cool. The way we had it set up is this piece of land that my good hunting buddy um, has access to. He actually used to live on it. And I was sitting in an area that we knew the deer have to kind of come by. There's some water nearby, and there's a big old oak tree that's just dropping acorns. And there's just an area that it's really good for them to come in have a drink of water, have some food, and they kind of scoot out of there. And he was on the other side of the valley watching everything, and he actually filmed it. Um, On the ridge just behind me, he saw this buck come over, and he was chasing this hot doe. Ended up coming around the hillside, and that was a 42-yard shot. Um, Kind of made a a little bit of a marginal shot on that. It was slightly quartered two. Uh, hit the onside lung, like just nicked it and then went out the guts. But like I was saying earlier, those annihilated broadheads, the pack of when they, they they do, they really do. It, it looks almost like a gunshot wound when it hits them. There's just, it's absolutely devastating. Um, and it slowed them down real good. And uh, we we sat down for a little bit, kind of talked about what we were planning on doing. We were actually planning on backing out for like an hour or two and then coming back because uh, he wasn't quite dead, but we could tell that he was he was hurting pretty good. And uh, I was telling Matt, I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to kind of go up to where we saw him go into this real thick stuff and see if he's not just bedded down right there, even dead. And get up there, and he was bedded. It was like eight yards inside this bush, like this thick stuff. <laughs> and he had his eyes shut, like head up, but he was just—you could tell he was—he was, he was going to die pretty quick. And uh, got another—I put two more arrows in him actually because he got up and he was still standing. I wanted to make sure, and it ended up being my largest blacktail I've ever shot with the bow. Actually, my largest blacktail I've ever shot in general is a big four by four. Good, solid buck. I I need to actually get it measured to see if it uh if it goes into uh, any sort of Pope and Young or anything like that. Hmm. A big one. So are blacktail smaller than whitetail or? Yeah, they're they're about this. Their body size is similar to like a coos deer, maybe a little bit bigger. Oh, okay. They're they're pretty small. Like, I mean, you can get some that are massive that are feeding off of like the farmland, but a lot of the stuff that they're, they're just grazing on the like the Spanish grass that's out here and uh, acorns and stuff. And I think the largest one that I've shot on the hoof, uh, well, on the rack at like the meat processor was. 130 pounds that's skinned and gutted. Oh. And I mean, and then 
you can get them even lower. I mean, I think I've shot one. I shot a dink a few years ago, small little forked horn. And I think it was only like 67 pounds. <laughs> Jeez, it's like a dog. What the heck? Yeah, it, it's, it's like a big, I, I have a dog that's bigger than some of them. But huh. um, yeah, they, it, it really depends on their, uh, what they're eating. And so if you hunt like the northern part of A zone into the B zones, which is north of uh, San Francisco, up in that area, uh, you can get some bombers. Like you can get a big body deer with a massive rack. But a lot of the the stuff that you when you start getting down into more central California, you're gonna get the coastal deer, smaller bodies, smaller antlers. Um, they're just grinding it out day to day. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to I'll have to have you on here again when that comes around. Oh. If I'm not out hunting, I will definitely do it. Don't don't you worry. All right. So, yeah, if you guys want to, uh, you guys that are listening, you guys want to go uh, follow him on Instagram. Uh, I can't even think of the name of it. The Cali underscore bowhunter. Yeah, Cali underscore underscore bowhunter. Okay. And you do YouTube yeah. too, don't you? Yeah, just mostly like gear reviews and stuff like that. Um, my buddy and I are starting to team up and we're doing film and stuff he's his is the migration cancellation he does a lot of duck hunting deer hunting big game stuff like that he just films hunts in general but he's been filming some of my stuff and we're going to start kind of teaming up and trying to get more hunts out there but the stuff that i do on youtube is it's cali bow hunter as well but it's mostly just gear reviews archery stuff like that oh okay yeah i'll have to check that out well, thank you guys that are listening. I appreciate it. And stay tuned for the next one. Peace.